Please listen carefully. Hey, folks. Today's podcast is an interview with Dr. Alex Stoner, who is a physical therapist out of Core 3 PT. They have two locations. One is in Hatfield, and uh, the one that she works out of is in East Norton. Her focus primarily is pelvic floor and pelvic floor dysfunction. So we talk all things related to um, pregnancy and postpartum and pelvic floor dysfunction and the idea that you know if you find yourself peeing while jumping rope uh, or needing to go to the bathroom before a workout with lots of jumping, that uh, this, although it is common, uh, it is not normal and can be fixed. So a lot of women out there, uh, and guys too, can have pelvic floor dysfunction, uh, but we do at the gym see a lot of women who think it's normal and, and not treatable uh, or just aren't aware that this stuff can be treated. So we talk all things pelvic floor and um, some signs that you have pelvic floor dysfunction. And Alex walks us through the process that she'll take a a new patient through. So I found it pretty interesting in terms of what is common versus normal. And I hope you do too. The interview starts... uh, in the middle of our conversation. So we don't do a, a formal introduction in the beginning. So just be aware of that. Enjoy. Our marketer has said, he's like, he keeps saying, he's like, there's a ton in Bryn Mawr, but I just feel like Bryn Mawr, Villanova, or mm-hmm. like my fiance works there. There's just like a physical, and not that everyone does, but we do. So that's yeah. kind of like, I guess a benefit, but mm-hmm. the goal is that we don't, we actually, that's what's funny is this, the pelvic floor stuff is growing so fast that like Danielle, the other therapist who's doing yeah, I met her last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, her patient caseload, like as of this moment, is like fifty fifty. I would say pelvic floor and orthopedic. We have a part time therapist who we just share with the other clinic who does orthopedic. You know, the three days that he's here. Right. I'm at like probably ninety percent just pelvic floor patients. Like we need her to be. Hundred percent, and yeah. like, but our orthopedic caseload has just started picking up too. So, this stuff is growing so fast. Um. So we kind of got ahead of it because I feel like we we're just already in it. But yeah. like, talk about. Well, actually, yeah. Let's continue with that. So, mm-hmm. why do you think it's growing? So, why do you think the field of pelvic floor PT and everything is growing so fast? I just i, I think that number one people are more aware that there's something to be done like about this stuff um I guess like more broad like women are having kids later in life so like Mm -hmm. there's more I mean it kind of sucks but that's just a risk factor for like pelvic floor dysfunction is like increased maternal age which is is just I mean it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just like the way just things are now. Yeah, that's right. what it is. Um, people are having babies later because we're in school longer. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was talking to my mom this weekend. She had like three kids by the time, not three, but there's only two of us, but like a, two toddlers by the time she was my age. And I'm like, yeah, everyone's what? aging later. Exactly. But. So that's number one. 
Um, number two, which I think this is the like a good reason, kind of, is people, like, going back to my, I love my mother, but, like, she didn't exercise the way that I like to or, like, a lot of people that I know. So, like, women mm-hmm. are exercising more intensely, I guess. Yep. Um, yep. Compared to, like, like they're the world cup and all the like female athletes like it's great i love it so that's another thing um and then i think with that came like these problems started happening and then people Mm -hmm. started to be like okay what what can we do about this Mm -hmm. yeah so a combination of actual uh more incidents of dysfunction but also the awareness that something can be done about it rather than just kind of being quiet about it and thinking that it's the norm or that 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 uh, it can be helped. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that all this stuff, like, it's always existed, but, like, maybe at one point it was much more common in older women because mm-hmm. it was just something that, you know, no one said anything about. And then, I don't know, for one reason or another, at some point someone finds out about it. But, again, with all those things, like, more exercise, having kids later. Mm-hmm you know, it's happening earlier and people are like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life like this. Yeah. And then also with social media and talking to each other, you, they realize like something can be done and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I mean, we talk about it a lot or, you know, enough that our members realize they should be seeing someone if something's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, what would, um, what would you classify as, as dysfunction? Um, what what would be a reason why someone should seek out a pelvic floor PT? Yeah, so I ask, and our company is great about this because we have the, the pelvic floor and we're working on actually like screening tools to give to our referring docs that aren't even necessarily sending us pelvic floor PTs, but mm-hmm. three questions that I ask about um, if I do any eval of anyone, um, probably specifically a female for the men, I would like direct them in a different way. But, Mm -hmm. um, do you have, do you ever leak urine with sneezing, coughing, laughing, jumping exercise? Um, that one, right. I'd say most people are like, Oh yeah. Like Mm -hmm. probably a little bit if I, you know, jumped high enough or like laughed hard enough, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I ask about, do you feel like you go to the bathroom way too frequently than like, the, like for your lifestyle? Like, are you in the bathroom all the time basically? Mm-hmm. And that one's kind of hard. Cause that again, for people who are not maybe as aware of it, they're like, Oh yeah, I go to the bathroom every hour. Like you don't, you don't need to be spending that much time mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Right. That's a lot. Um, and then the other one I ask is, do you ever have pain um, with any type of vaginal penetration, such as using a tampon? Has mm-hmm. that ever been difficult for you or painful for you at any point in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of under that, it's easy to kind of throw in there just with the whole, I mean, I think everyone in like our field should be screening for endometriosis. So like very painful periods, do you yeah. miss work, school? That's like, and I've been to courses that that is like the, a very easy screening question. Mm-hmm. Do you miss work, school? etc. Yep. because of your period. So those are like the that's what I would I guess I would like very broadly classify as dysfunction. Yeah, those are the first kind of three things you're looking at mm-hmm. or four things you're looking at. Yeah. Um based okay, so based on those questions, mm-hmm. is it and if they answer yes to any of those questions, then uh there's a reason to kind of go through some sort of therapy for it or is it 
you know, I want to, it depends on the severity of each of those. I'm looking for two, at least two of the four, like. Sure. I, I think it, it depends on your goals. Like you'll meet people that are like, you know, I, they're not very active and you ask them Mm -hmm. if they leak a little bit of urine, they're like, I do, but it doesn't really bother me. So Mm -hmm. if it doesn't bother you, um, you know, that's your prerogative. But if this is like, then you'll meet people that are like, yeah, I leak a little tiny bit at the last rep of my like max whatever. And Mm -hmm. I hate that. And it Mm -hmm. really is annoying. So then it it just depends on, on your goals basically. Yeah. Um, and each individual person is like a little bit different, but I could Mm -hmm. probably, you know, recommend something for anyone who says yes to some of those questions. At least I would, I would hope that I would be able to go. So let, let's, um, well, I think we'll revisit that. We'll put a little bookmark in there, but let's back up to your history. So where, like, where did you grow up? Um, how did you get into this field? Um, I, I grew up in, so my, my mom is actually a physical therapist. She works with kids and I thought that I wanted to do that. I was like, pediatrics, love it. Mm -hmm. Day one. I was like, this is great. Um, I turned out not to not wanting to do that after I had a rotation in school. And I was like, mom, I don't know how you're like awake at the end of the day. This is like next level. So you started going that direction. I did. In school. Had experience and realized, nope. It's, you know what? And, and I was in like a hospital setting that wasn't like my favorite necessarily either. Mm -hmm. I think just, again, I just felt like next level exhausted at the end of the day. It was hard. And then I actually was in inpatient rehab for a little while, which is kind of like in the middle, you see, you know, you have your same patients, you see them every day, but you see them for very long times throughout the day. And I had, I was on the floor where the patients with spinal cord injuries would go. And a requirement to be on that floor was you had to have bowel and bladder uh, requirements. So like catheter, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, bowel routine every day that the nurses would do. And, and PTs didn't do much with that at, at this, at that point, still kind of at this point, they're not, they're not doing too much, I believe in that setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a few female patients and not, I mean, the, the male patients, because you spend so much time with these people, you spend like an hour and a half with these people every day. The male patients are just like, when am I gonna like, well, I know we're like practicing how to walk, but like, when's my erection going to come back? And I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, and then the women, you know, kind and of, you're in school team. at this point. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a student, like, right. I don't know. Um, so then at this, and then, you know, kind of on the same note, the, my, I had one very close patient to me that I, I still am in contact with and she's amazing. And she, we would do a lot of like gait training. She was regaining a ton of like um, muscle activity, mm-hmm. walking, and she was like, "You just have to help me figure out how to not pee myself because like I'm gonna, I'll be fine." And she was very like, she's amazing, but mm-hmm. she was like, "I know I'll be okay," but like my, she had a very active social life. She's like a social butterfly. She's like, I can't go out if mm-hmm. I have if I'm like if this is happening to me all day long. Right. Um, She's like, I don't want to be on a catheter for the rest of my life. So I was like, yeah, you know, if someone who's, like, just been in an accident and they can't walk is, is like, more concerned about this, that's, that's pretty concerning. And actually, mm-hmm. if you look at 
I, I don't remember specifically, but I know that research in school when we, that they presented when we first started learning about this is like people after a very big accident, like a stroke or a spinal cord injury rank bowel and bladder function as like one of the top, I believe it's over walking, like that Hmm. determines their quality of life after Hmm. their injury. Yeah. So it's a pretty big deal. Right. Especially when you like are choosing that over walking. So, um, so then I like just sort of, I took this job because Danielle is my mentor and she's been amazing in helping me get right into it and like feel confident when I, I can't imagine getting into this, such the specialized, specialized field without having her like guidance and then taking the courses and stuff. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I got here. So cool. Uh, what was your own athletic history? Oh yes. I was, I played soccer my whole life, played soccer in college, um, had knee surgeries. So I've been through my own PT as a patient. Mm -hmm. I've been through like, you know, before I was in PT school, PT that looking back now, I like probably would not, give that kind of PT, so... But you didn't know any better. I didn't know any better, yeah. Right. Right. And I, you know, ended up having a, another knee surgery anyway, so there was a lot of things going on, but... Mm-hmm. And just, like, I always bring up my mom, because I've always known that it was a thing. Like, she was a PT, and I knew that right. um, the first job that I had was, like, a tech at a at a gym, like, similar to this, so... Got it. So, yeah, you've, you've been immersed in the world. Yes. And thought you were heading down the pediatric route yeah realized that wasn't for you nope didn't it seemed like you weren't seeking out this specialty field but you kind of not necessarily i did kind of made you realize it. Yeah. yeah yeah and and then i mean the more you get into it the more you're like i think everyone i think most people that get into it they actually when i took my certification they kind of do a breakdown of like who takes these tests mm. and it's like people who have been PTs for a long time you're guessing that they're like moms that's how Danielle got into it like after having her kids so gotcha. I will be super prepared comes <laughs> hopefully so let's go back to the bookmark we we're talking about um the kind of questions you would ask mm-hmm. I feel like you know for us um whenever it's let's say jump rope day whenever uh-huh. you know our ladies see that because they can see the workout done it before and they see that there's double unders in a workout right for jumping rope They'll either cherry pick the workout uh-huh. so they won't show up at all, or they come in just knowing or thinking that, you know, it's it's normal that they would basically pee themselves uh-huh. a little bit. And um, so maybe talk about that because I, I feel like in uh, unless you're in your world of of kind of fixing these problems, uh-huh. some a lot of women think it's normal and something they just have to deal with, and um, it it just is what it is. Right. And I, so that's what I, that's what I kind of tell people immediately after I ask those questions is, do you have this, 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 Mm -hmm. uh, not that I'm like, you know, whatever they're coming in for, I'm trying to address, but like those things are not normal and you can do things to work on them. Mm -hmm. Um, nothing is hundred percent guaranteed, obviously, but this is such a, needed I feel like even one visit set like with someone who can guide you in kind of what you should be doing Mm -hmm. so much of what you should do is unknown and lots of times the opposite is being done so number one it's not normal Mm -hmm. um that for everyone is a little bit different if you go to the bathroom 10 times a day 
um, you know, just kind of telling someone like, hey, everyone has an amount of urine in their bladder, like at baseline. And that's totally a normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to like pee out what you're going to leak if you go a million times before you do your workout. Um, That's actually bad and can create like urgency. Like if Mm. you're going all the time, like Mm -hmm. emptying your bladder, Mm -hmm. we call it just in case peeing. Like that's not something that we recommend doing. Got it. Um, And then on the flip side, you know, usually with talking to someone, the strength part, like, yes, that amount of whatever you're having, that leakage can because can be because your pelvic floor is not strong enough to, you know, match kind of the intra-abdominal pressure that you're creating when you're exercising. And then, you know, that's just like a very simplistic way of why. And then obviously leakage happens. And then, you know, you kind of start talking to them like, oh, do you have trouble like doing like oh I really have trouble with like doing the um leg raises or like pikes or something like that and then you kind of start to you know put together the pieces that maybe this person more has a lot of core weakness and Mm -hmm. you know I always tell people and I think again there's there's better awareness in this of people who exercise regularly but like not just going to do sit-ups and make your core strong like it's those deep you know I I even call them more like your postural muscles like you want them to be Mm -hmm. working all the time to keep you upright and then you know if if that's not working when you're doing something very physically taxing like if you're not getting enough from there you're that can be another reason why you're having leakage so yeah yeah so we talk about IP a lot um, Mm -hmm. intra-abdominal pressure so for someone who doesn't know what that is can you explain kind of the idea of that and and how, why that would apply. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really good model that I like used people and it's called the, like a soda can model. Mm-hmm. You probably have. Yeah. Yep. So the intra-abdominal pressure has to be managed some way by, you know, what is going on in your deep core muscles. So basically, you know, anytime you're doing something physical, you create abdominal pressure. Um, your diaphragm is your breathing muscle, and I just, like, I'm like point here and here, and I tell mm-hmm. them, like, one's the top, one's the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, if you pop open the soda can from the top, you can, you know, you're letting air out to release that abdominal pressure. If you don't pop the soda can, um, so holding your breath, if you hold your breath, which to some degree, you know, you have to do to when you're lifting, especially with lifting things really heavy, to sort of fix your, your abdomen, um, if you don't have good strength from your pelvic floor, it's like the soda can is being blown out the other end, and that's why mm-hmm. like, leaking could happen. Yep. So I use that like model a lot. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, right, it's creating stability, right? right. Um, and because otherwise if they're not, uh, you know, we talk about breathing into the belly, mm-hmm. breathing down instead of into the lungs mm-hmm. um, to create that pressure. Uh, and that's for lifting, that's for... Um, we'll even just do that for breathing practice. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that. so many people have bad habits when they're not lifting something heavy. Right. So right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, yeah, we generally say you should be breathing the same, whether you're lifting yep. or not lifting. Yeah. Right. Um, otherwise it, you're not practice the thousands of reps that you're doing, AKA breathing throughout uh-huh. the day. Um, if you're out of practice or yep. it's not a habit, then it's going to be harder yep. to do when you are breathing up here. Lifting. Like yeah chest. exactly um so you had said that 
sometimes people do the opposite or think they should be doing the opposite in terms of exercises. Yes. What is that? So what does that look like? Yeah. So there's, I guess there's, that's kind of like a couple layers deep, I guess. Mm -hmm. So specifically, I feel like not necessarily exercises, but habits. And that's what I go over with pretty much every person that comes in day one is like, we call them healthy bladder habits. And that's what our little sheet says. And it's like, not going to the bathroom just in case. Um, Mm -hmm. Another one that people do is like hovering over the toilet, like not sitting Mm -hmm. down all the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Managing your constipation. That's like a big part of plays an impact on your bladder function because it's, all the same muscle that's like controlling what comes in and out basically. Um, so that's what I feel like most people are doing kind of the opposite. Um, as far as Kegels be involved in that depends on the person. So yes. So Kegels, there's actually when they've, they've looked at, they've done studies and looked at, you know, symptomatic and non-symptomatic women and you're asking them, okay, do a Kegel. And Actually, 25% of women who are, like, any woman with symptoms or no symptoms Mm -hmm. um, bear down when they think they're doing a Kegel. Got it. Um, And that's, like, pushing things out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, absolutely, if someone thinks they're, they're like, okay, I'm going to contract my core, breathe, you could be doing all the right things. Right. But you're you're actually doing the opposite if you think, you know, you're doing a Kegel and you're actually doing the opposite. Got it. so that is first of, and that, that course that I went to, you know, kind of the CrossFit, um, I, I think he's a coach, but he's great. Anthony Lowe. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he was, his big thing was like, you know, no exercise is wrong. And I, I agree. Like I'd rather people do any exercise for all the other benefits of exercising. Mm-hmm. Um, but go to a pelvic floor PT and make sure you're doing your, if you're having symptoms, make sure you're doing it right. Because a quarter of people are coming and they're doing it wrong. And it's, it's super uncommon. And people Mm -hmm. are like, okay, I'm doing it. And I'm like, let's try the other way. And then, you know, kind of giving some cues, like it's more of a, it's more subtle than people think. Um, and that's why they think they're doing it right when they're like pushing and bearing down. It feels very forceful and they're like, yeah, I'm bracing. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times Mm -hmm. that's, you know, the opposite of what yeah so yeah got it I, have I, you heard of um or looked into any of the dns courses through i Frog? have not um i'm taking a little course hiatus right now got because it. i'm yeah. getting married in six months and i just took my <laughs> certification in may and i was like i need to still have like a person that wants to marry me yes. <laughs> not a hermit Actually, that yeah right not a for <laughs> courses yeah we're doing one together, actually, in a couple weekends, um, and then hiatus until the wedding. Got it. Fair so, enough. But I would be super interested if there's something you... Yeah, so I've heard... Um, so BirthFit, um, the, the coach's cert that I went to, mm-hmm. um, the founder of that highly recommends the uh, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization mm-hmm. course, DNS. Um, so I think it originated from Prague. Um, it was... You know, it's hard to get to because mo- they barely spoke English, uh, the original okay. like instructors, right? Uh-huh. So it kind of had to trickle out to all these people who then could help teach the course. And mm-hmm. so now there's a lot more available. Oh, cool. um, but the whole idea is 
well, it, it's founded upon principles of like, you know, babies are born with diastasis and uh-huh, so that uh-huh. babies just naturally kind of heal themselves yeah. and they go through these progressions of, you know, rolling over and um, stabilizing their core through just mm-hmm. natural movement and yep. babies aren't doing sit-ups, right? Right. Um, and in fact, sit-ups can aggravate diastasis mm-hmm. and, and so that, that's a... I mean, I could even have that all wrong, but that, from my understanding, yeah, that's yeah. what the course teaches. It's, it's okay. about looking at what happens naturally, basically with babies, but then having adults do very similar, similar uh, progressions and movements. Yeah. And the whole idea is that in athletics, um, you rarely want to have midline flexion. Right. Right. So two football players coming together to meet you don't want to fold and crunch. Right. You want right. to be strong and brace. Mm-hmm. And so same idea in almost all sports, you, you're twisting and, and stabilizing yourself on purpose. Yeah. Um, and so it's less about doing crunches for crunches sake Absolutely. and more about stabilizing your core in order to do whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. doing. Right. And that's in life. Like when you go to Absolutely. pick something up, you want to brace and lift the legs and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what the, the course is all that's about. That's cool. I would, yeah. Do you know if it's like a weekend? Or... Yeah, it's a weekend course. Okay. Uh, they have different levels. So they have like a, a level one or I think it's like course I know. A, course B. I think B. I like recognize the setup of, mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. Yeah, and they also have like DNS course A for like tennis. But from my okay. understanding, it really doesn't matter like what the specialty, what the specialty is. is. It's, it's all the same principles, but I think they label it to okay. kind of get, you know a little more attention. One of the first things I, an exercise that I start with for people is I put them on their stomachs. I'm like, when was the last time you were on your stomach? And they were like, I don't know. Right. I was like, that's like a whole, like half of your body that you're not (laughs) going in the other direction of. And that's like kind of how we're, um, trained too, that we incorporate into our pelvic floor. We've, everyone that works here has kind of, um, taken like the baseline McKenzie, uh, kind of training mm-hmm. um danielle's certified she just got her certification when i got my um pelvic one two around the same time um and that's just such a i always tell like moms i'm like you put your baby on their stomach you gotta go on your exactly. stomach too it's yeah. the same reason like think of how much we're in flexion all right. the time like right. when we eat and drive and most people working and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. going in your stomach is can be really impactful on just like getting yourself out of that yeah, position just get and a little more extension. Absolutely, in your life. absolutely, in your life in general. Uh, so let's say you have a new patient. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the first things that you do? How many times are you seeing them? And I know that's a very broad question because yeah. it sure depends on the individual. But... Yeah. So, and I I do want to like kind of throw in the fact that a lot of people I see coming in that are having that end up being more on like pain driven, not even necessarily pain, but like Kegels are out there and like, that's great. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of the first, like people are like, I should really be doing these. Like right. they've been around forever, but yeah. Kegels aren't for everyone. Right. Um, and a lot of people can have a lot of pain. Um, I, I don't know. I'm definitely the diagnosis I see come in, come in waves, but like so many women right now with like just this, tailbone pain mm. after you know delivering and there it's just like so weird and vague They're like it just hurts right here all the time right in my tailbone and a lot of times that's because the muscles of the pelvic floor are so 
restricted. Um, and that can be from yeah. scar tissue from, I mean, you'll hear women say like, you know, I, I do Kegel. I, I was doing Kegels all the time. I thought I was doing the right thing. And that, you know, not that that's the wrong thing, but there is, it's a balance. Um, so I'd say most of the time I'm always like working with people's schedule. If there's a little bit more of like a pain and a muscle restriction component, I'm usually saying, you know, let's try and come in maybe two times a week for the first two weeks. See where we're at after that kind of like intensive, like see you pretty frequently, see if we can get the pain down, you know, get the irritability levels kind of down. And then I think weekly check-ins like work really well for people because, Mm -hmm. and, and that's usually what I recommend for someone that just needs purely a strengthening component if they're motivated to do stuff at home, um, and they're doing the right thing when I check them. Um, we use a biofeedback machine here, which is super helpful for people. So yeah, talk about that. Yeah. So this is how I would have people like work on their Kegels. So these go, um, right at the pelvic floor attachment, right, right on the tailbone, Mm -hmm. um, little stickers, you put them on there and then the, you turn the unit on and on the screen, there will be like bars that go up, Mm -hmm. um, that tell you, it's not going to like register anything right now, but that tell you, you know, when you're contracting, it will go down if you relax. Got it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's super helpful for people. So it's not stimulate. it's not a stim, it's no. just giving feedback as to whether what you're, you're contracting doing. or, got yep. it. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so that is that, and that's excellent for someone who's like, you know, I think I'm doing it the right way, I'm not really sure, I feel really weak, that's excellent for them. For okay. someone who is like, bearing down they're like, I'm, I'm really weak. I have no idea what I'm doing. I do sometimes recommend an internal stim unit. And that would be like what you were saying, the contracting, um, the muscles for you, Mm -hmm. not something that you would use forever, obviously, but for people who have had like a lot of trouble, that's been to teach them what it should feel like. Absolutely. That makes sense. And you know, I'm having them still actively do it with the contraction, Mm -hmm. um, with their contractions that they're doing at home. And then that's how eventually, you know, they kind of get that I'd say we just got to work on muscle memory right now. Your muscles just need to remember what to do, basically, and that's what that's going to do. For new new patients, do you do internal exams? Do you um, not? Does it depend? Mm -hmm. Um, I tell them that that's my gold standard. Um, This, the biofeedback is great, mm -hmm. but it's not exact. You could squeeze your butt cheeks together and make the signal go up. (laughs) Um, So I always recommend, you know, Gold standard is just for me to get a baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times they're, they're, a lot of doctors are like, yeah, we want you to do that. That's why we're setting them here. But yeah. um, making sure they're doing it the right way. Um, so I, I always offer that on day one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously leave it up to their comfort level if they're just really yep. not comfortable. Yep. There's a, so much pain. Like we can, you know, kind of work broad and, and work up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, but is, that would be the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just yep. to get like a baseline where your strength's at. And especially because I always tell people we, we do it because, you know, all those muscles are on the inside. I, I can't see what you're doing. Right. Um, and because so many people do it wrong. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. number one, it's hard to tell from the outside because all the muscles are on the inside. And then if you're doing the wrong thing, I wouldn't be able to tell either unless I, you know, really 
did the internal exam and had like that thorough just kind of baseline of where we're starting, what we're starting with. Got it. So they're coming about two times a week for first two weeks and then about once a week. What When they're actually here, mm-hmm. are they, what, in this room doing exercises that you're prescribing? Are you teaching them something new each time? Um, yeah, it's, yeah. I love this field because it's so different for everyone. Yeah. So I've had people in here, we're doing like jump rope like with the biofeedback and I'm like, all right, we're working on 30 second holds. You're going to jump rope. And at the end, if you're, (laughs) if you don't still have your signal up here, it gets a lot of wires and everything, but if you don't still have this signal here, then, you know, let's kind of reassess what does it match what you're feeling? Do you, so that's something, um, for people starting out baseline, sometimes we're on the table and I'm like, I want you to think of this. I want you to think of, stopping the flow of gas in urine. I want you to think of mm. pulling your underwear up in it. Like mm-hmm. just trying to get kind of back to that like muscle memory. That'd be more of yeah, like yeah, baseline. Yeah. Right. Um and then or um for someone who has a lot of pain, mm-hmm. um uh perennial scar massage or um internal muscle release to again get those muscles to kind of relax and, and not be so tense and sort of training them to at rest be, you know, not here, not mm-hmm relax to the point where you're losing urine but just sort of right in the middle um and then in usually most things again have a lot of like extension based exercises um out in the gym doing core work um transverse Mm -hmm. abdominis i I really like that we have little cuffs that's another type of biofeedback but you just put Mm -hmm. it under the back and it's you know making sure you maintain that nice neutral spine position um and then, Hi. Hey. can I hop in? Oh, I am doing a podcast. Yeah, but you can hop in if you want to. Okay. I'm not like I'm doing any patient I'm just stuff. I'm just I'm just going to grab a seat. Oh, yeah. yeah, go for it. You can Thank take you. it. Come on down. We're recording if that's okay with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're on no camera. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you thought I was like with patients already or you saw on the schedule that I put. Oh, yeah. No, I did see that, oh, but cool. I wasn't sure cool, cool. if this was a patient or not, so oh. I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> Where are you sitting? Uh, University of Scranton. Cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I own a gym in Ambler. Okay. Uh, across at Kana, and uh, I, th- I had always heard of you guys um, yeah, um, being around, but we didn't have a contact until one of our members started seeing Alex. And then was like, you gotta meet Alex. She's great. She's amazing. I want to be friends with her. She's. You just gotta go meet her. And I was already planning on coming over anyway, because mm-hmm. I'm running a uh, a postpartum fitness class. Oh, cool. And so wanted to yes. bring you in for that um, mm-hmm. at another point. So it kind of just all worked out serendipitously. Yeah. So it it awesome. really did all kind of fell place. So basically, so we run a podcast, and the idea is, you know, any information that could be useful for our members. Um, down the road, I want some sort of evergreen resource of information, right? Mm -hmm. And being a podcast listener myself, I'm pretty sure you are too, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That's what we do. So we just, I just talk with experts in the field and pick a brain about whatever our members should know and need to know. I'm glad I'm here then. Now, I would love Mm -hmm. to like do, even, I I feel like we talked about so many things, like (laughs) even more specific things, like down the line, I'd be be awesome. There's never enough content. I agree. Mm -hmm. So so we were just talking about, oh, for new patients, Mm -hmm. uh, how everything, so basically it just depends on the person. Yeah, absolutely. And their schedule, some people are like, 
I have a crazy life and five kids and I'm like, all right, then I will give you as much as I can on day one mm-hmm. and you come in at seven o'clock once a week or once every couple weeks and we mm-hmm. will check in and I will make sure you have a lot of stuff to do. And that, you know, obviously if someone was like really having no idea what they were doing, you know, I'm sending them out with Kegels and they have no idea what they're doing. I'm like, let's just like get you on the right track. Just come mm-hmm. in a little bit more frequently in the beginning and then you'll I'll know that you're on the right track and you know have things roll in here and then we can kind of I can help you through what your goals are as you're working on them you know at the gym in your own time so I love having people who like understand what women are going through here Mm -hmm. um because they can't come here forever either right so yeah so let's say well actually so backing up how what's the percentage of of people who are referred from let's say a primary Versus folks who are coming in on their own yeah. volition. It's definitely much more skewed to, like, being referred. I would say most of the time from GYN, OB, mm-hmm. midwife, mm-hmm. Um, urologist, GI, docs, sometimes. Got it. Um, overwhelming majority referred from a GYN. Mm-hmm. Um it's getting better. More people are like with, I think social media is a huge part of that. Yep. Um, just kind of knowing that people are here and then they look for an expert in the field and then they kind of, they're like, I just came here or like gyms. And I've been, I, in grad school, I taught spin and I mm-hmm. like have all my stuff there. And, you know, I think that just those community places where, people care about one another and their yep. fitness goals and progress and stuff. Yep. So I think that that's like another really good avenue into like making that recommendation meaningful to someone like, okay, this is, I, if sure. this person is telling me to do this, this is really yep. important and probably could help me. So yep. exactly. Uh, so how often or how long is uh, someone here on average yeah I try to keep sessions between 45 minutes and an hour Mm -hmm. um people bring their babies people are like coming in from what it's like it does not matter we will like make it work however Mm -hmm. it works out with that person's schedule Mm -hmm. um typically like 30 to 35 minutes in here working on like you know we'll chat in the beginning it's nice we have like the private space because we're asking about you know not like stuff that you just want to be screaming out in the gym not that um and then you know go out in the gym and use like some equipment um the biofeedback cuff doing like a couple focused stretches like again on your stomach doing a quad stretch I think I could give to most people that's just you know so many people need that and again you're on your stomach again so I'm like let's do as much as we can on your stomach um Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the setup and then I mean some people are like listen I again I'm a little bit more limited on time come for 30 minutes we chat you kind of direct me and -hmm. then I'll take you know what I need and do my stuff at home um that also I I feel like sort of depends on we take insurance which is wonderful Mm -hmm. um like pretty much all insurance plans we take which is again like makes it even more accessible to people yep. um but copays and stuff so if someone yep. like if someone has like a, I mean copays are crazy too if you have a crazy copay I'm like all right let's like get as much in here as you can yeah, make it so, as absolutely valuable as possible yeah and then for how many weeks are people here for so I always give pe- and, and people always want to know that I'm always like keep in your head 
you know, reassess my, like take a step back and reassess where I feel like I am at eight weeks because true muscle change takes six to eight weeks. You know, if there's some soft tissue muscle restriction we have to work on in the beginning, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's going to be a little bit longer. But if you come in, you know, you have a good idea what you're doing, a little bit of weakness, you just need some work on like that coordination of managing your abdominal pressure with how to, you know, contract your pelvic floor. You know, I, I think majority of people see pretty good progress within that two months. Mm-hmm. And again, so much of that is what you're doing outside of here too. So, sure. and it, luckily you don't really need anything. You, you can do it. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like anything else though. You have to, I always tell people like, doesn't count if you're doing them in the car on the way to work. Like you got to go lay down, think about what you're doing. Yep. Um, eventually you'll be able to do them in the car on the way to work, right. but <laughs> you know, Intentional practice. Yes, intentional. exactly. Especially yeah. in that neuromuscular learning kind of right. muscle memory phase. Like really make sure your body is just able to do this. Because that's, it should. That's a natural reflex. And for some reason or another, people lose it. So yep. that's kind of what we're training at first. Like neuromuscular recovery. Right. Of that stuff. So. so would you say it's reasonable for, let's say, again, going back to like the whole peeing themselves while jumping yeah. rope. Um, would it be reasonable to say that most likely they can fix it. I'm not, no, no guarantees, sure. but um, if they're seeing the right PT, if they're doing their exercises, if they, you know, put in the time and yeah. effort that that can Absolutely. be mitigated. I would say most, pretty much everyone sees an improvement. Yeah. Like not, maybe not necessarily totally better, but sure. for sure an improvement. And again, because so much of that is just like, well, now I know that if I go try to pee right before I do this it's not going to do anything and that's mm-hmm. just like a bad habit mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but if I focus more on like kind of that like activating your pelvic floor trying to kind of be aware of that and right. knowing what you're doing right. as far as the right you know way to use the muscles then I think so much of, so much of it is education Got so it. the more kind of the more you know Got that's it. why I feel like pretty much everyone improves not most people don't know that coming in so yeah. What else would you want someone out there to know um, about your field, about dysfunction? Um, like if you could put out content, like right? A, yeah. yeah like so a disclaimer. Yeah. What would you want them to be aware of? I think I can't tell, and I don't know if it's just recently, but I can't tell you how many people come in and they're like, "Am I the only one here that you're seeing today that's doing this?" I'm like, "Got it." No. <laughs> Yeah. No, not at all. So mm-hmm. there is, like, again, so much that can be done. And mm-hmm. again, even if it's not a guarantee that you're all the way better, mm-hmm. likely there's going to be some improvement. And, you know, I understand with just kind of how I, get, I got into this, like how much it affects your life. And mm-hmm. um, so that's probably one is, you know, if there's something that just isn't quite sitting right with you, like there's probably at least some things that, that could help that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just because your friend is doing this for their pelvic floor doesn't mean that you're necessarily in the same boat either. So everyone's yeah, different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's that's important too. So that I, like I said, I love this field because it's so unique to every person. And we can really, like, mm-hmm. specialize what someone should be doing because mm-hmm. it's it's unique to them. So... 
I, I feel like I could put out like all of my knowledge in my brain as a disclaimer. So, would you recommend um, all? Would you recommend it be a normal thing for postpartum women to see a pelvic floor PT? I, I, in other countries it is. In other countries yeah. you leave. We went to an international conference last year. And in other countries they're like trying to find these ways to predict who needs five sessions of pelvic floor PT and who needs mm. ten sessions of pelvic floor PT because you leave the hospital with a script for PT. Got and it. I'm like, I'd love if everyone just like had to come for one. Right. Right. Um, Got it. So they're way ahead of yeah, the game in terms yeah. of um, recognizing the need for it. So I think anyone, and again, those countries even, probably also have like six months to a oh, year. Oh, absolutely, maternity, right? maternity yeah. leave. Absolutely. <laughs> I think someone was telling me a year in, and then you can make it thirteen months in UK. Anyway, yeah, it's, like, it's definitely. It's I mean, for most uh, in France, it's definitely the case yeah. for a lot of companies. Because, like, I have friends who work for a French company, so they get a year. And the and paternity leave is also a year. Oh, um, yeah. Like, yeah. So unheard of. We're, uh, we're a little behind. Yeah. I we're would love behind. if... Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I'd love if everyone came once. Worst comes to worst, you leave with healthy bladder habits, and you know how to do a Kegel the right way. Yeah, got it. Um, I think probably physical therapy in general should be, like, a dental model. Like... Mm-hmm. Anytime mm-hmm. you've had an injury, just coming in twice a year to like, you know, we do a super easy like spinal screen and that's kind of that McKenzie like approach, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just in the beginning. It's so easy. You know, you come in, you, you pay the copay one time. Mm-hmm. It's covered by insurance. We're just taking a look. You can, you know, we're in the medical profession, like one of the only fields that people can, like we can spend time with people, with patients, and like yeah. really listen to yeah. what. Not four you know, minutes, and then you're out the door. Right, yeah. exactly. I I have a friend who's a. I went to a, uh, my roommate in college is a PA, and she's like, "Oh, what are you guys scheduled on?" I'm like, "I mean, it's it's nice. I can be flexible. Like you know, usually on the half hour or forty five minutes, as well as like a little bit of an exercise program." She's like, "Oh yeah, I'm every fifteen minutes," and like that's, mm-hmm. I, that's their job. They have to like make sure you're yeah. not have any infections or like things like that but we can yep. really like have the time to hear the story and hear what's going on yep i thought of one more disclaimer like of course. exercise is not bad i feel like especially with people who come in with diastasis are just so fearful of doing anything so it's it's all exercise has so many other benefits outside of being right. afraid to like hurt something so yeah Obviously, you know, scaling back if you have an, something going on is a good idea, but yeah, always smart like absolutely, yeah, and like yeah, we got we got plenty of people. I mean, ha- having the CrossFit name definitely gets you know people say, well, aren't you going to get hurt? And it's like, well, I mean, we've gotten people off diabetes medication, mm-hmm. mood disorder medication, absolutely, lost absolutely. fifty pounds, like. Like, oh, right. You're also going to get hurt if you do nothing. Exactly. With chronic disease. You're also going to get hurt sitting at a desk so all day. So, like. is there a risk for injury? Yeah, I mean, there are people that hurt their knees playing soccer, right? right. Or, you know, right. running. Think of all the knee injuries oh, from running. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's nothing active that is 100% safe. Mm-hmm. I should show you the this, like, series of slides that I have from that course that was, like, there's more pressure on your pelvic floor, like, walking on an, in, I don't remember specifically, so this is mm-hmm. probably not accurate, but, like, squatting with a weight versus, like, getting up off the floor. Like on, yeah. and that was Got very it. pelvic floor specific, yeah. but like, 
It's something like, not as obvious versus something right. that people assume is more dangerous. Yeah. Right. Or my little thing over there, like more right. pressure on the discs of your spine, like mm-hmm. in a sitting forward position versus standing straight up and walking. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I can't walk my back. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not really yeah, what you think it is. Say the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would want to show with the, the model or anything? Oh, yeah. I guess I always show this on day one, too. Um, the magnets are getting um, worn out. So, like, sometimes I'm showing people and they're, I'm like, this is your pelvic floor. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> Your pelvic floor doesn't fall out. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. That's not the goal of being here. Mm. Um, so I just show, like, I, I talk about the attachments of the pelvic floor, um, you know, to the tailbone, to the, the pubic bone, just kind of start here and then work my way out. I'm like, here's your spine. This is where your spinal cord, in, cord is, which is the hard wiring of our system and what drives everything to move and to have sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I talk about, you know, there's here's your hip that's very related to everything too um sacrum again Mm -hmm. all the ligaments don't usually fall off um they're usually nice and in place but and then i I talk about you know pelvic floor has layers um sphincters kind of help keep everything in this Mm -hmm. is the more supportive layer which works as part of our your literally your core muscles Mm -hmm. um so I always show people that, and they're like, oh, this is great. I've never seen that. I'm like, yep. yeah, it's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I try and put the organs in and, like, just show them the impact of, like, like bowel and bladder. So I'm like, bladder's there, rectum's there. That's why, you know, I'm asking you about managing your constipation because this is affecting right. your leakage. So right. um, sometimes they kind of fall apart, too. So I'm like, don't worry. Your bladder won't fall apart <laughs> So, um so that's probably my favorite, and pretty much any course that I do, I, I bring that yeah. and just show people. It's cool. Well, I think for, especially for the visual learners, mm. it helps them realize. I'm a, I'm a visual Yeah, person, especially so. when you take that, like, soda can analogy of, like, yep. pressing down or, yeah, mm-hmm. where that pressure is coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, yeah, I always, I, like, explain, like, you want this to be, like, a trampoline. Like, you want it to, you know allow pressure to happen without being so tight that it leaks or you want it to you know you don't want that trampoline to just give and and fall out so Mm -hmm. that kind of and then seeing that like shape too i think helps right um just a little yeah additional thing you've been here for how long (gasps) two days (laughs) oh wow okay so i was gonna (laughs) no pressure but is there anything that you've noticed that you've learned that uh, let's in say, one day. well, uh-huh. and more so that if you were talking to someone who had nothing, who would, you know, they, your uh, family friend, let's say, or, or someone comes to you, they're like, I got these problems. Like, I don't know what to do. Well, I think what you said, how people think that they're the only person uh-huh. and my, um, one reason that I got into this is because my mom, after having two kids, she always wishes that she had postpartum PT. Uh-huh. She never knew it was a thing. Granted, it's more popular now I feel like or just more well-known yeah yeah um but yeah I think it's just a lot more common and also I feel like women and men should not be scared to talk about it because it's just another part of your body Mm -hmm. as well that is very treatable yeah yeah so we didn't talk about gender differences um we talked a lot about women but um how many men would you see, do you see, have problems? Definitely seeing more. Overwhelming majority of men that I see are following prostate surgery. 
Um, Got it. And there, I mean, my, I mean, just the overwhelming amount of people that have that surgery um, are, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And like, they're looking at ways to kind of, you know, do we remove the prostate right away when the PSA gets to like here and then you're like, take Mm -hmm. it out? Or Mm -hmm. are these quality of life things so impactful that this surgery can, you know, potentially cause, like maybe we wait a little while. So I, yeah, I, I would like to be more involved in that, like research and looking, but I mean, it's, you know, those levels are there for a reason there. There's a lot to be said about that. But again, I think like, women's health kind of was first it's definitely coming for for men too and that's just a very easy referral because now people know that that can help it's like a a treatment a very straightforward treatment for that patient would be kegels and you know then it's like i have a pelvic floor i'm like yes you do (laughs) everyone does you have a pelvis yeah they're like what is a kegel i'm I'm like (laughs) it's it's great my nail patients are excellent because Think of how little women know. Think right. of how little little <laughs> men know about it. So they're like, "This is so great!" Like yeah. I didn't know you. Yeah. I never thought I would be able to do this. So yeah, I would imagine the uh, the fellas are not talking to each other about nope. their pelvic problems. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're great patients. Yeah. They're so just like interested and, and <laughs> with, like take it and, and go with it. So yeah. that's awesome. Cool. Anything else okay. you guys want to add? We can definitely do parts two, Absolutely. three, four, five, like, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just an introduction. Yeah, so. I would love to add more once I get more education. You will, on don't it you? Love it. That's why you're here. Yeah. No, I, it was cool. really cool hearing everything that you had to say and questions from like outside of PT too. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Hey, folks! Thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFit Kana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks and have a great day.